Ukraine is actually changing their plans for their spring offensive because of this leak. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, April 12th. Today, Julia Yaffe is here with the latest on the shocking leak of an unknown number of top secret Pentagon documents, a security breach that has left the US intelligence community reeling. What's in these documents? How much exactly has been compromised? And what does the leak mean for our allies and for the war in Ukraine? Julia shares her latest reporting. And later, Eric Gardner joins Ben Landy to discuss how Bob Iger got the upper hand on Ron DeSantis in Florida and what their legal battle could signal about Disney's plans for Hulu. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com. Dot M-E slash powers, because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to The Powers That Be. I'm joined today by Julia Yaffe to dig into one of the most stunning intelligence leaks, at least since the Snowden thing <laughs> 10 years ago. Julia, how stunning are these uh, documents that surfaced on Telegram, Twitter, Fortnite, 4chan, Discord. I mean, it feels like we're still learning a lot about this, but how stunned is the intelligence community by what's in these documents and, and how are they figuring out how they got out there? I think it's pretty fucking stunning is the short version. And right now, people don't know a whole lot, at least about who it was that leaked them, how they got out. It seems like people are starting to think that it may have been leaked by an American. Because mm -hmm. some of the, the way some of these documents are labeled, some of them say no foreign, meaning no foreign powers or people from a foreign power can be read in on it. Because some of our intelligence is shared 
with other countries, with allied countries, for example, you know, the Five Eyes, which is Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, I believe. But some of the intelligence in these slides was so sensitive that it said they it could not even be shared with them, which is making people think that rather than the initial theory, which was that it was some kind of Russian hack or Russian penetration of our system, that it was, you know, that the call was basically coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. So what, what exactly was in these documents? I mean, uh, the first headlines that I saw when this broke over the weekend were it reveals some troop positions in Ukraine. It reveals probably something not that shocking, honestly, in general strokes that we spy on certain allies like South Korea. Um What else has come out that's in these things? Because, by the way, also when I was reading about this, the main headline was these were crumpled and then uncrumpled documents and chunks of them started to surface in March, I guess, on Discord. But in reading your most recent post on Puck, which is part of an interview with with Senator Mark Warner about a variety of intelligence issues, I had no idea that these things might have been posted as early as January in places like 4chan. So what else is out there? But but for the listeners too, like what specifically is the intelligence community worried about substantively what's in these documents? Well, what wasn't in the documents? You know, there is, as people are starting to sift through the documents, we're seeing, for example, how much the U.S. has penetrated the Russian military and secret services, which is amazing because, again, Russia is one of the hardest, most hostile environments for American spies to operate. But it seems like a lot of this came from signals intelligence. We've learned about some systems that the U.S. has, like the LAPIS satellite network, very tightly guarded secrets that we don't really quite, you know, in the general public quite even know how they work. We found out things like the United Arab Emirates is trying to forge closer ties to Russia and share some intelligence with them because they're worried that with the U.S. withdrawal from the region that they need other partners. Hmm. We've learned that the Wagner private military group tried to buy weapons from Turkey, which is part of NATO. We've learned that the U.S. was trying to get South Korea to send 155 shells, which are in very, very short supply. We basically can't supply Ukraine anymore, but apparently the U.S. was going to lean on South Korea to send these. I mean, there's a lot in here. But yeah, some of the things that I think maybe are shocking to other people, like you said, are not very shocking to anybody familiar with this sphere like Oh, it turns out that the U.S. is spying on Zelensky. Well, yeah, of course. And mm-hmm. it would, in some ways, it would be silly not to, given the amount of aid we're giving to Ukraine. It also shows just how involved the U.S. is on a kind of day-to-day detailed operational level in Ukraine, which unfortunately kind of proves Putin's point that he's not really fighting Ukraine in Ukraine, that he's fighting the U.S. in Ukraine, that this is basically mm-hmm. a proxy war between Russia and the US. But that's just like that's it seems like that's the tip of the iceberg. And I think there's going to be more and more and more revelations coming out as people examine these documents. And on the note of Ukraine specifically, does this put troops in danger? Does this put US sources in danger? Because it sounds like some of these some of these documents, it's just they they came off as pretty recent. And something else I was reading about was that while this is being compared to the Snowden leak in some ways, a lot of the stuff that was in the Snowden leak was sort of in the past, or at least enough in the past that it didn't mm-hmm, totally mm-hmm. compromise active movements, troops, assets, etc. Yeah, I mean, CNN reported earlier this week that 
Ukraine is actually changing their plans for their spring offensive because of this leak. Because now it's been telegraphed to Russia what they're planning to do. Mm. Unfortunately, it seems like you know, some of the stuff that was in there that came from the CIA that clearly came from what is called human, like human mm-hmm. intelligence, human sources, that stuff is super, super touchy and super sensitive. And it could put actual people in danger, you know, people who have been risking a lot to provide information to the US government through US spies, it can basically shows Russia where their sensitivities are, they can now restrict outflow of information, which would make Ukraine's fight and America's and Europe's aid to Ukraine potentially less effective. Where would these documents have come from? Uh, It seems that they came from, we know that they came from the Joint Chiefs, that they were part of the briefings that were put together for Chairman Milley Mm -hmm. and other most senior ranking commanders in the US. So whoever leaked these had insane levels of access and a pretty high security clearance. And this might be a dumb question, but this is your world and not mine. Is it possible that documents would be left in a folder lying around somewhere? I mean, I know that like the presidential daily brief like is often given on an iPad and not a piece of paper. How would something get out of a room? I think that's what we have to find out. I mean, Maybe somebody printed these out and I mean, because they seem to be slides, maybe they printed Mm. them out. But again, I feel people with such high levels of security clearances, they track what they print, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So at some point, we will find out who this was. I mean, it's only a few days old, right? Seems like it was the system was put on alert maybe Friday. So there's still a lot we don't know, but it's a big fucking deal. And if it came from inside the US system, then it raises a whole lot of questions like, was this ideological? And if so, what was the ideology? Or was it if these appeared on gaming message boards, like Mm -hmm. Discord, was it just people shit posting and trying to flex for each other, which would be just horrendously embarrassing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's the short version is it's uh, no bueno. What are US allies saying about this? Well, it's interesting that some allies have had interesting responses. So South Korea, you know, it's made very clear in the leaks that we're spying on South Korea. Mm -hmm. And we're getting access to some of their very high level internal discussions. The South Koreans are in some ways kind of doing damage control both for themselves and for us and saying, oh, this was clearly a fake document. Because obviously, it would raise a lot of questions at home in South Korea about why they would be willing to violate their own doctrine of, you know, not providing weapons to other countries for the sake of the US. And why is this very close ally spying on them? What does this mean for the strength of the current government? So it's interesting that their response, their public response has been, oh, these are fake. That's not a real document. This didn't even happen, which is helpful for the US as well. Fascinating. All right, Julia, thank you so much. I hope you keep doing some reporting on this because I want to learn more. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure the spies do too. (laughs) I know. I now have these documents on my phone and it's time for me to uh, dig into them. Yeah. um, Just don't post them on 8chan. Thanks, Julia. Talk soon. Bye. When we come back, Eric Gardner is here with the latest on the fight between Ron DeSantis and Disney. (laughs) 
Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right. I found that on Etsy. It's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back. I'm Ben Landy here with Eric Gardner. Eric, you and I were talking the other day about the legal and political showdown between Disney and Ron DeSantis in Florida. And you noticed something that was totally fascinating I hadn't thought about before, that in the midst of this legal battle, Bob Iger may have tipped his hand as to what he could do with Hulu in the future. But before we get to that, I don't think we've yet talked on the pod about this whole Iger-DeSantis battle over the Reedy Creek Improvement District. This is um, basically the, this massive 40-square-mile administrative district in, in central Florida that encompasses Disney World. What's sort of the, the quick backstory of why DeSantis has targeted this region that has administrative and taxation authority over Disney World? And what's he been trying to do there? Yeah, well, uh, Governor DeSantis has not particularly liked Disney's uh, vocalness, the fact that it stood up to to him and, and the rest of the Florida legislature when they passed the Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, so he's been looking for a way to retaliate, and the way to retaliate is by targeting this district that's been in place since the late 60s, which basically gives Disney you know, a special taxing authority. Basically, they can do what they will around Disney World. And there's a board, it's called the Reedy Creek uh, Improvement District, and you know they oversee the area. And for a while, what was talked about was that they were just going to dissolve the entire district, but there were all sorts of ramifications there. So the kind of midway point was that DeSantis was going to be able to appoint his own people to this board. What happened, though, after, was that on their way out, Disney was able to kind of uh, shrink the board's power by giving Disney huge developmental rights and, and all that. So right now, the, the board really only oversees roads and stuff like that. And uh, it's really diminished power. And DeSantis really feels like something was pulled over him. Disney got one over on him. Right. So the, the Florida legislature has to sort of walk this thing back Ron DeSantis tries to save face by instead replacing the district's board with his own hand-picked members. And then the Disney board sort of on their way out, I guess, insert a bunch of bizarre contractual language to assert their control until the last living descendant of Charles III. Is that right? 
Yeah, and uh, it's very cute, and especially since we're talking about the Magic Kingdom, there's all sorts of connotations that come up. But honestly, this is not the most atypical contract clause. It's uh, pretty famous in legal circles. Basically, there's a rule against perpetuities that you know you can't do land titles forever. So what happens is is 21 years after some person who's living or that sort of thing. And so this has been kind of a, a quick shortcut for a lot of contracts to do. And yeah, it sounds kind of weird, and which is why it was trending on, on social media when it was discovered. <laughs> but uh, why King Charles specifically? King Charles. I, I don't know who came up with that. Uh, <laughs> that that's a legal arcana, um, <laughs> but it's it's quite fun. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the royal family would typically live a long time. Certainly, um, the, the the queen lived for a long time. It's kind of amazing to see Disney's lawyers basically trolling the DeSantis team like that, um, proving that these guys have a sense of humor too. But this also gets into to um, the question of Bob Iger's future plans for Disney, including maybe what he wants to do with Hulu. Because as you were noting to me the other day, the board also included some language asserting their right to build more theme parks in this area, right? Yes, uh, one major new theme park they're now allowed to build, and uh, I think two minor parks. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, speculation about what that that one theme park could be. Bob Iger himself has has said like he's going to spend something along the lines of seventeen billion dollars in the area, and yeah, it's a big deal for them. They make something like twenty billion dollars a year on on these theme parks, so you know, building a new one is no small deal, um, and it's uh, certainly something that could grow revenue at the company. You had this theory that you put forward in your newsletter the other day that one potential play for Disney here could be to build a Marvel theme park. Because in sort of a funny twist, Disney does not actually have the amusement park rights in Florida to Marvel. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Before uh, Disney acquired uh, Marvel back in 2011, you know, Marvel was a standalone company and they were kind of agnostic when it came to licensing their characters. They, you know, licensed them to various different studios, various different developers. And one of them was was Universal, which came along in the in the 1990s, saying that they were going to build a, a theme park uh, and they wanted to license the Marvel brand to, to build its own ride and own attraction. So they did that. And I I don't think at the time anyone thought it'd be as big as it would become, but Disney bought Marvel and then made all those movies. And now they're, you know, it is a billion dollar property. And suddenly Universal finds itself with pretty valuable rights. Uh, They have rights to these Marvel characters for theme parks east of the Mississippi. That's what it says in the, in the contract. So west of the Mississippi, Disney, you know, holds these rights. And and you can find that in um, Disneyland in California. You go there, you, you find a Marvel's Avengers attraction, but not not in Florida, not at Disney World. And from what I've been hearing from you know people, from insiders and, and all that, Disney could be very, very interested in acquiring this from Universal. Universal is owned by Comcast. Um, and as you know, everyone knows right now, Disney and Comcast are negotiating the future of Hulu. This has been one of the great mysteries in Hollywood at the moment of what is going to happen to Hulu. Disney owns two-thirds of Hulu. Uh, Comcast owns one-third of Hulu. And they have an agreement with each other that by the end of the year, Disney has the right to purchase the 
the full share. And if you think about it, what is Hulu? Hulu really is three things. One, it's a technology, it's a brand, and maybe most importantly, it's all the shows on the platform, everything from Murders in the Building, Handmaid's Tale, to those FX shows. And I, I don't think Comcast is interested in Hulu without getting access to the library. So when you start putting these things together, what we're talking about really is just a trade of licensed rights, where Comcast kicks the Marvel rights to Disney, and Disney kicks some of these Hulu rights to Comcast. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting proposition and, and, and makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there, there's some fun sort of fantasy three-dimensional M&A chess going on here. And, and, and who knows if Bob Iger is thinking about this stuff. He's a very smart guy. I presume that he does see sort of all these different pieces on the chessboard. Or maybe you're just giving him a free idea. But it's true that however things shake out between Disney and Comcast and who ends up having full control of that company, there are other assets that they could potentially trade back and forth. So the Avengers IP to theme parks east of the Mississippi is one of them. Our colleague Bill Cohan has suggested that ESPN could also be in play if Iger wanted to essentially swap that for Hulu alongside some equity or cash. There's a lot of different options and and pathways that the CEO might be opening for himself here, one of which might be this Avengers theme park IP. Now that we know that Disney does have designs on expanding its theme park presence in Florida. Yeah, I mean, the simplest and most straightforward thing that that could happen is Disney executing that option and assuming full ownership of Hulu. But, you know, with Disney Plus, you know, there's a real question whether Disney really needs Hulu. And Iger himself has kind of hinted that Disney might pull back from the adult-oriented content in favor of family-friendly IP. And so, you know, given that, we're seeing all these scenarios play out where Disney starts thinking about selling Hulu and what can it get from a sale of Hulu. And so we start thinking along those lines and we start thinking about a realignment in Hollywood about what it is these big studios, these big companies really want to do and what are they going to make their bread and butter on? Eric, it also seems like Iger has created some political leverage for himself here, because if things sort of devolve between him and DeSantis, who obviously is thinking about running for president, most likely will, you know, he's looking to make a lot of political hay out of this showdown with Disney, which he's described as this woke corporation. Iger can go out to Florida voters, to investors. He can say, I want to spend another $17 billion at Disney World over the next decade. As you mentioned, that's a huge amount of money. I want to create tens of thousands of jobs in this area. Do you really want to fuck with the biggest employer in the state? I mean, that that's an incredibly powerful lever that he potentially has here. Yeah, I think DeSantis, I mean, has two dangers here. One is he looks foolish if he tries to pick a war that he can't win. You know, Iger's a very capable person. And so Iger comes back and he does stuff like, you know, assert control over over Disney World. And DeSantis all of a sudden looks like, you know, he's incapable of pulling off this sort of stuff. And second of all, yeah, I, I think that it ticks off people who think that, you know, Florida should be hospitable to businesses, um, hospitable to job creators. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, Republicans who, who are uncomfortable with, with the culture war stuff and, and would prefer that these politicians just focus on, on good business. And so for, for DeSantis to just keep picking a war with Disney over this, I don't know, I think it runs some risk for them. I I understand why he's trying to do it. It does, you know, hit on some impulses of of certain uh, right wing vo- voters. But on, but on the other hand, I don't know whether it's the best, uh, you know, long range play for him. 
Yeah, it does seem like DeSantis continues to underestimate Iger and that uh, it does seem like he's overplayed his hand here too. But we'll see. Eric, thanks for dropping by. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13, and produced by Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck. Puck.